We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Fay. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? Somehow, we keep getting Nets news. Yeah, we're holding off on our, our off-season targets and all that stuff because the news keeps on coming. We'll hopefully get to that next week. But for now, still more topics. And before we jump into it, quick reminder, you can find the Buzz on all streaming platforms. Jack, where do we start? Nick, we started with Kyrie Irving, who we've started with in a couple of recent <laughs> episodes, this time in a more positive fashion. So we're going to have to retract premium a lot of the things. You know, those aren't ever great episodes, guys. Just make sure you're listening to this one and you're subscribed via Brian Lewis, who is always quite tuned in with the Nets. And when you're looking at Brian Lewis as a source, Nick, I'm not sure if you agree with me here. He seems to get a lot of his stuff from ownership, um, yep. and as, as well as probably the front office. But, you know, he has had some ties to Joe Sy in the past, has, has had exclusive articles with him. And the fact that we got uh, this is the headline of the article. All signs pointing to Kyrie Irving returning to the Nets. And, and this is how the uh, article opens for those that haven't seen it at the New York Post. Despite a report that the Nets are, quote, outright unwilling, that was, I think, by Christian Whitfield of the New York Daily News, to resign Kyrie Irving long term and speculation about him being traded, all indications strongly point toward a reunion between Brooklyn. And it's all-star point guard. Irving has until June 29 to decide whether he will opt out of the final $36.5 million year of his contract for 2022-2023 and become a free agent. But both Nets and league sources told the Post an extension is more likely. I'll get into more of that, obviously, a bit later, Nick. But what is your reaction to this? Were we completely wrong? Was the New York Daily News completely wrong? Were we should we have some semblance? Should we were we too unfair on Sean Marks? Were, were, you know, where do you stand on it? Yeah, I mean, I think we always said that we expected Kyrie to be back. I thought it was just kind of more of a leverage play with Sean Marks trying to you know maybe work on the contract length. And I mean, I could still see that being a topic of discussion between them. But at the end of the day, I feel like it's less surprising and more reassuring. You know, it just kind of like, all right, you know, this is what we wanted to hear. And like you said, Jack, I think Brian Lewis is definitely a net source and obviously has some ties around the league because he's been doing this for a while. So I think it's always a good sign, too, when, quote unquote, league sources are saying that a player is going to resign, because that means that teams around the league are looking at it like, all right, he's not going to be available. And that's typically the case, especially really during the month of June. So a lot of these rumors now you start to give some more credence to because it's getting so close to the offseason. And Kyrie Irving said it himself, which we sort of discussed yep. as well on a recent episode when he was you know, doing some stuff on his Twitch stream uh, and the like or Discord, whichever you know, streaming platform he was on. This is another thing worth pointing out in the article, Nick, as well, uh, via Brian Lewis again. But Irving is still not only close friends with Dur Kevin Durant, but maintains a good relationship with team owners Joe and Clara Sai. The Post reported last month that a return to Brooklyn appeared a fait accompli and sentiment around the league is Irving will re-sign. And then this is a quote from a source. I agree most likely he comes back a league source well versed in the salary cap told the Post. As for a contract, I'll probably try to get him back at an annual rate of what he's currently making. They could give him a contract below the max with unlikely incentives that allows him to reach the max. Unlikely incentives are capped at 15% of a player's salary in a given year so they can make his salary 15% less than the max, then give incentives to allow him to get the full max. Uh, he would have to opt out and negotiate a new contract with those new incentives. I think that's a, a pretty 
the, that's probably the crux of the article that I'm looking at the most, Nick. But, you know, obviously the, the the cap machinations and also the fact that he didn't just mention Kevin Durant as a close relationship, yeah. but ownership, Joe and Clara Sai. And we know, like I alluded to earlier, Brian Lewis has had exclusive articles related to Nets ownership and Joe Sai. So that is a, a pretty positive sort of sign. Yeah, I mean, Josiah is the one signing the checks. So, I mean, if he wants him back, he's bringing him back. And at the end of the day, you know, Sean Marks has a say, but Josiah is the one that dictates what happens. You know, he's in charge. He owns the team. So definitely gives you even more confidence. And like you were talking about with the incentive stuff, and there's obviously ways to kind of set up contracts where, you know, if you don't play X amount of games, then your last year, your contract's not guaranteed. We see that with like some of the Jonathan Isaac stuff. So there's definitely different avenues for them to get creative. But if a player has a strong relationship with ownership, typically means that they're going to be locked up unless something really, really dramatic happens. In terms of those incentives, Nick, do you want – I remember seeing this discourse a little bit, and I don't think we actually have discussed it. Would you prefer those incentives to be laden with well, more tied to games played or more tied to uh, accolades in terms of, you know, actually like being an all-star or an all-NBA player or then or team incentives the Nets making you know the the conference finals or whatever where do you what do you think would be better if you're Sean Marks and Joe Sy? you know I feel like you can almost cover both avenues in terms of with the accolades because you're not going to be an all-star if you don't play and you're not going to be first you know first team all-NBA or it's second team. to be an all-star than an all-NBA though yeah yeah for sure but even like let's say you you only play you know 15 games in the first half of the year, a lot less likely. So I think if you're trying, I would definitely put in like first team all NBA, second team all NBA type stuff. And then I think you do want to put the team awards as well. You know, like winning a championship, like that's pretty big on there. You could probably sneak in some of the games played stuff as well. Like you're allowed to have, I think it's many incentives as you want, but it's just the amount, you know what I mean? If it's only 15% of the salary. So now instead of, you know, one, you know, just hypothetically one thing being worth a hundred thousand dollars, it might be worth $75,000. And now you just add more to the list type of thing. No, definitely. And I think that I would agree that I wanted them to be team slash all NBA, because I think those are the most important accolades, those most meaningful accolades. You know, Kyrie Irving has been an all NBA player. And if he were to be an all NBA player, it means to be playing 60 games plus, you know, Kevin Durant made all NBA playing 55 games, I think off the top of my head, yep. 55 or 57. So if he's playing around those sort of games, he would have to be playing at a Kevin Durant level to, to get the all NBA, which I'd taken any day of the week. So he's more likely to be playing 60-plus games, which I think would be good for Kyrie Irving. You know, I don't expect him to play 75 to 82. I don't think that any superstar should be playing that unless you're you know, Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, these sort of guys who are just durable as hell, and James Harden, as he has done in the past. But it's the quality as well as the quality that brings the team success alongside it. If he's having 55 games of a 50-40-90 season and the Nets are in the Eastern Conference Finals, Give him all those incentives that he deserves because you know, he's bringing not only individual success to him, but he's bringing that team success, t- team success along with him. Yeah, and I think, honestly, the All-NBA thing is kind of interesting because he's only made All-NBA three times, which is kind of, I don't want to say surprising because we know his injury history, but given the stature of his uh, playing ability, you would think he has you know more of those. And I don't think he's ever been first-team All-NBA, so you know, second or third is kind of where he's at. So that, that'd be something to kind of keep an eye on. And I'm really interested because last year during the regular season, he was playing such great basketball, like when he came in, but then even hearing him, you know, on podcasts and different platforms, he even said like, he never felt like he fully got his footing. So like really intriguing to see what he could look like with a full season and a postseason, because I think also his conditioning has hit new levels, like in terms of his ability to, you know, the way he's taking care of his body. Like, he just looks different than he's looked in Cleveland. Like, he just looks very fit. No, definitely. And you sort of you know talked about, you know, in comparison to Cleveland. And, you know, we spoke about Phil Handy and trying to get those sort of habits right. His habits are on point. He's, you know, heading into his age 30 season next year where, you know, I mean, when you're age 30, you're going to take care of your body a little yeah. bit. The metabolism slows a little bit. Recovery the last, isn't the same. 
Exactly. The last time Kyrie Irving did play, you know, an extended uh, amount of time on the court in terms of out of 82 games, he played 67 games in the 2018-19 season. Yeah, and he had a pretty goddamn good season in, in that as well. You know, before that 60, before that 72. So that sort of three-season stretch from 24, 25, 26 was pretty positive. As a net, obviously, a, a little bit lesser. 20 games, obviously, with the injuries that he's had, 54 and 29 with the interruptions that he had this season. So we'll get into more Kyrie Irving stuff. And, and speaking of Kyrie Irving stuff, Nick, he apparently has followed Donda Sports on Instagram. <laughs> Kyrie, uh, Kanye West's a new sports platform. Um, and obviously, you know, they've signed Jalen Brown and the football player was... Aaron Hooding, Donald, yep. Who is apparently like a, a pretty goddamn good player as yeah. well. Jalen, Jalen Brown, not yeah, not, not, not a bad little roster that Kanye's stacking up for himself. And Donda Sports only has 23 followers on their Instagram and Kyrie Irving is one of them. And Kyrie Irving has liked a, a few things on Kanye's Instagram, you know, the Sunday service stuff. You, know, you can just tell that those guys would be pretty kindred spirits, if you know what I mean. We now, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm mistaken in saying this, Nick, but Kyrie Irving is re represented by his stepmother. Is is that right? Yeah, I think it was a family member of some sort. Obviously, he he was you know signed to a couple different agencies. I want to say he was like constantly changing, but obviously... Donda Sports Agency, something different. See what happens. Like As you... SI reported, Nick, uh, Kyrie Irving hires stepmother. This is on the third of uh, this was on the third of March, so a couple of months ago. Uh, his agent, according to Sham Sarania, so that was so he hired. Yep. She, Shatelia Riley Irving. So yeah, he's stepmother. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know. Donda Sports could be up to some big things. Kanye has made a ton of money, like one, you know, a lot, a lot of money. And obviously people have mentioned the rumblings of, you know, he lost his Nike contract. Maybe that means that he's going to be signing with Adidas now, setting up a new line of stuff. So really interesting. Obviously, there's always a little bit of concern, you know, with the connection to Kanye with some of the stuff that he's done in the past. But like, like you said, Jack, Jalen Brown, Aaron Donald, who... So one of the best football players of all time signed with him gives you a little bit more confidence and just kind of adds a little bit more spark to that agency. And I agree with what you're saying in terms of Kanye. You know, I'm a big Kanye fan, but not necessarily some of his non-artistic, non-business ventures. But in terms of the business ventures, that man is he's you know Diddy, Jay Z sort of like, and the Donda Sports sort of platform. You know, it's. I reckon he's going to try and rival Jay-Z with Rock Nation. And we've sort of seen, you know, the Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Savert, these sort of guys have been linked with Rock Nation in the past as well. And now kind of getting in the game with you know, two pretty high-profile uh, clients. And Jalen Brown, you know, obviously, you know, an independent sort of thinker as well. So if you, uh, uh, the roster that he's building in terms of the athletes to have as part of the Sports, if he were to get Kyrie Irving, that'd be a massive get for Kanye. And I think there could be some special things in terms of what we see as that platform. And also for Kyrie Irving, if you were to go with Adidas, you know, I love my Kyries. I've got a, two pairs of them. I've got a, a pair of Kevin Durant's as well. Got some Air Jordans. Got, a, you know, a, a couple of different things here and there. But in terms of my streetwear that I do like to wear, Nick, and I think I've mentioned this on the pod in the past, I do love Adidas. Adidas, yeah. as we say down here in Australia. So it'll be intriguing to see how the shoe game does go because Kyrie Irving has been a notorious, like one of their best sellers because yep. of the affordability, because of the accessibility of of just the general streetwear and, and just the, the designs that he has had. Obviously, we we discussed in, in episodes past about, you know, the Kyrie 8s and the controversy that there was there uh, with those. So that controversy could lead to you know him possibly leaving. You know the contract is up, and we did hear that, and then we also heard that it was capped. So who knows, Nick? But this sort of little tidbit that uh, was provided by Yeezy updates on Twitter. <laughs> uh, thank you, Kanye West stands for giving us some Kyrie Irving news to discuss in the Brooklyn Buzz. But it's certainly intriguing. No, that's what I think. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, you know, Kanye with the creative stuff, and Kyrie's obviously very creative himself. Could be up to some pretty cool projects. Absolutely. Let's get back to some assistant coaching news, Nick, which we might as well like have a spin-off assistant coaching podcast Yeah, because we've been discussing assistant coaches so heavily. Nick, I, I think people might be wanting to start off with Phil Handy, but we'll start off with the, the likely more positive news about Igor Kokoshkov heading to Brooklyn as an assistant, the former Dallas Mavericks assistant who's been part of Jason Kidd's coaching staff, who Jason Kidd called, quote, a genius. Yep. And he's had an extensive history with the NBA as well as international basketball and Euro basketball. Nick, we got this reported by Mark Stein, who's been reporting a lot of sort of assistant coaching stuff and stuff pertaining to the Nets. And obviously when it comes from Dallas, um, he's also pretty switched on with stuff around the sort of Texas area. 
what were your immediate thoughts? Because I think in terms of when we sort of saw the discourse on Twitter, it was a little bit divided. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was excited. I mean, Igor's a guy that I've known him for a while. I remember when he got hired to the Suns job. Obviously, that didn't really work out for him. But at that time, he was really highly regarded as like the next big head coach. And like you mentioned, Jack, ton of experience, I think over 20 years of NBA coaching experience and over 30 years of overseas coaching experience when you combine it with the NBA. And like you said, Jason Kidd called him a genius. He is very well respected across the league. You know, it seems like every team he's worked with has had positive things to say about him, including, you know, former players. I think Steve Nash has spoke really highly of him. He coached him when he was a... Yep, yep. He also coached Kyrie a little bit when he was in Cleveland too. So there's a connection there. Uh, Igor is a guy that his offensive scheme and like style and plays are used around the league. Like it's not just like, he's just, you know, he's on your staff. It's like people steal his stuff all the time. And he loves running plays with like multiple actions where you're keeping the entire defense busy instead of just allowing them to focus on two or three guys. So I was pretty pumped when I saw the signing and it was kind of under the radar in terms of like, you didn't expect him to leave Dallas. But if you look at kind of his career history, he's kind of bounced around a little bit. So it seems like he likes taking on new projects and kind of adapting to whatever style and players he has. So I think it's going to be really great for the offense and someone who could really help Steve Nash because of the experience, but also in helping implement a system and a style. Definitely. And Mark Simon reported that there were surprises around it because of his ties with Luka Doncic and, and yeah. Slovenia. Obviously, you know, Kokoshkov was the, the, the head coach uh, when they when he led Slovenia with Goran Dragic, current Brooklyn, that, uh, to uh, the Eurobasket win at uh, the championship in, in 2017. You alluded to uh, the, the ties with Nash and Kyrie Irving. He was an assistant coach uh, from 2008 to 2012. Um, in Phoenix when Nash was there, and in 2013-14 uh, with Kyrie Irving when he was in Cleveland. Uh, so it's it's interesting there because I I think it's a it's a nice move because I think you sort of we talked about you know the Nets offense doesn't really need much and you know I put out the tweet you know before the series started between Boston and Golden State and the Nets had by far the best offensive rating against the Boston Celtics you know vaunted defense and 115 offensive rating which would have been one of the top defenses uh, offenses sorry in the NBA. So does the offense really need a lot of work? I mean, no, but it wasn't as dominant as it was when, you know, Mike D'Antoni was there. And I think Igor Kokoshkov could take a similar role to Mike D'Antoni and sort of just give the Nets a bit of diversity, a bit of unpredictability, a bit of, quote to quote you, uh, off wax, a bit of busyness to their offense, which allows greater openings for our two superstars to do their isolation thing. If you've got, you know, the, the space, the, the cutting, the actions that we're sort of seeing, you know, with Golden State, and you know, despite the fact that you know Dallas have been probably very, very similar in terms of their offensive style to the Nets, a very much a half-court team, very, uh, very much he- heavily isolation predicated. You know, I put out the tweet that the Nets, you know, number one in offensive uh, isolation possessions. You know, Dallas Mavericks were just under them because of you know obviously Luca having the ball in his hands so much. So I'll be intrigued to see how Igor brings some of his his now, you know, he's had 30 years of coaching experience, not just in the NBA, but overseas as well. So, and he's got a winning pedigree, you know, when you're winning championships, when you're part of you know, successful organizations, and I think he is a really smart basketball mind, you know, as I alluded to, Jason Kidd called him a genius, you know, I don't think, and Jason Kidd is one of the smartest basketball minds, one of the smartest basketball players, and it's had a, a heap of success in Dallas, and I think that some of that is due to Igor Kukoshkov as well, you know, they've had a pretty goddamn good offense. So I think that, while I understand people being upset about not getting, you know, X, Y, and Z, acquiring, uh, analyzing this, the the likely signing and the likely acquisition of Igor Kokoshkov to the assistant coaching ranks, I think is going to be positive. And it shows you that they're trying to fill in the gaps that we've sort of spoken about that we think Steve Nash has in his individual coaching resume, which we know about and have spoken about on pretty much every podcast that we've been a part of. So adding Igor Kokoshkov, that experience, even been a head coach in, in different forms of fashions to varying success, I think is going to be positive more than negative. Yeah, and like you mentioned, Jack, the offense was great last year, but during certain points it wasn't sustainable or it, ver- it just kind of went hot and cold. You know, there were stretches in the playoffs where the reason they lost to Boston is they had cold stretches. You look at game two in the fourth quarter, they're going in with a double-digit lead and they lose. So I think having you know, different styles of plays and ways to get other players uh, involved and utilized is going to be important, but also... 
he he's going to make life easier for Kevin Durant. He's going to make life easier for Kyrie Irving. He's going to set them up with advantages. He likes doing different things and trying to get some of his players downhill. And I think that could really be something that benefits Kyrie. That could be something that benefits Ben Simmons. He loves using four and fives and trying to get them mismatches. And obviously you could argue the Nets when they play, you know, KD at the four and Ben at the five, they have two of the biggest mismatches in the NBA in terms of, you know, what type of pressure they can put on you. So I'm really interested to see how much he's involved and how much the Nets kind of buy into a system and utilizing the different actions and sets that he loves to run. So I think it could be a lot of fun. And I, like you said, Jack, I think, yeah, the offense is, was good last year, but adding a guy like that just only makes you better. Yeah. You, you go from the Nets were historically dominant on offense under James Harden and, and Mike D'Antoni in that system. And, you know, we, when those guys were available, it was otherworldly. You had in Joe Harris, you know, the spacing. It just went from vaunted levels that we hadn't seen. And I think Igor Kokoshkov, like I alluded to, is a similar basketball mind to, to Mike D'Antoni. You know, heavily product, uh, predicated on the offense and has that sort of basketball now to be able to go, okay, this is where we can get some openings. This is where we get some spacing, all those different sort of things. And obviously his history with Steve Nash and Alex Schiffer, when he... He uh, quote tweeted, uh, Mark Stein said, ask Nash about Eagle before the Nets Mavs game earlier this season. And he raved about him, called him one of his favorite coaches from his playing career. So I think that ultimately we want our, the coach who is the third highest paying coach and uh, head coach in the NBA to be actual a head coach and step up where, when it matters. But because of the fact that he has so many weaknesses, adding an Eagle Kukoshkov who has such a vast amount of experience in so many different fashions and is, Probably a smart, I would say, if you're looking at who is more likely, is it like just a general head coaching vibe? Igor Kukoshkov strikes me as a guy who's probably got more of that head coach sort of vibe in him than Steve Nash does. So both of those are sort of heads in terms of way like Mike D'Antoni and Steve Nash, you know, that trust, that collaboration that we've sort of heard as a keyword before, I think is going to be something to keep an eye on. And, you know, I think is ultimately going to be a positive. Yeah, I think so, too. I think it was a great addition. Like I said, he's well-respected around the league. He has a ton of experience. His offensive sets are used across the league, so it'll be fun. As long as you know the Nets buy in, and we obviously don't know his full-on role, but it would most likely be a, an offensive coordinator for the team. So we'll see what happens with the rest of the staff as well. Yeah, and we've already seen you know different things here and there, and we heard from Chris Haynes. Phil Handy, one of the top assistants in the league, has accepted the invitation of new Los Angeles Lakers coach, coach Darman Ham, to be a part of his coaching staff, league sources tell Yahoo Sports. And you can imagine that the Nets fans flooded the mentions of Haynes. Nick, what are your thoughts? And obviously, I guess it's a, a, a bit disappointing for us as Nets fans. Yeah, I think uh, we kind of talked about it and we mentioned Phil Handy in the past. It was kind of with the Lakers in terms of we wanted to see when they brought in Darvin Ham, what was going to kind of happen to the rest of the staff. I think they only kept two or three guys. Phil Handy was one of those guys. Obviously, Handy has strong ties to LeBron. You know, he was with him with Cleveland, back with him in L.A. So that obviously played a role. And uh, someone else was saying that he has like other things set up in L.A. as well. So. I mean, I'm not super surprised. It's a little disappointing, but at the end of the day, it's not going to make or break the net season. He would have been a nice addition to the team, but it's not going to determine if they win a championship or not. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. 
Twice a week, J.J. Reddick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as J.J. does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm assuming, I'll ask the question because I'll, I'll be derelict in my duty as a podcaster if I didn't put <laughs> Steve, Stephen A. Smith hot takes in there. But you're more the J.J. Reddick, C.J. McCollum type who will probably ether me to, to the death. In terms of if you could have had Igor Kokoshkov or Phil Handy, Nick, who would you have taken? You know, I think you have to look at it this way. Igor, I think, providing more of the X's and O's. And you could argue that's probably what the Nets need the most because we saw a lack of adjustments last year and there wasn't really a system to play, especially in the games where they missed the stars. It was kind of just go out there and play basketball. So... You know, Phil Handy, more of a player development guy, would obviously have a different type of impact in the locker room and does have that strong relationship with Kyrie Irving. I think it's kind of apples and oranges in this situation because it's not like Phil Handy would have been signed to be an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator. He would have been signed to be, you know, most likely player development and like locker room mentality. So personally, I think X's and O stuff is more important than, you know, relationship stuff and i think there's going to be a lot of different player development coaches out there not to say that i think either guy is better but i think in terms of helping steve nash you could probably argue that igor could help him more than phil handy can can but you could argue definitely that phil handy would have probably a bigger impact on the locker room and on the young guys but that's also because they kind of specialize in different things yeah i mean i'll make the argument for phil handy i probably would have leaned his way slightly just because of what we sort of alluded to when we have spoken about him you know, the ability to keep, well, not the ability to keep Kyrie Irving accountable, but, you know, just that that knowledge and sort of, you know, actually having a guy that sort of Kyrie Irving knows because we've sort of seen so many assistant coaches just sort of catered towards, you know, Kevin Durant's liking. I also do think that his basketball nous and knowledge is something that I think goes under the radar. His history of success, you know, what is it, six NBA finals, eight yep. NBA finals, something like that. That dude just, like, eats, eats breathes, and shits winning, and that's what the Nets do need. You know, and, and accountability to habits. And I think that that's what we sort of, you know, that sort of not necessarily taskmaster, but respect that gravity that I think he can sort of bring. Whereas, you know, Igor Kukoshkov is more that sort of, you know, basketball minds and, you know, he's probably going to be you know, closer to Nash. And this is obviously, I think probably going to, is a, is a sign that what the assistant coaching, you know, signings are going to be, you know, they are going to be around Steve Nash's liking more than Kevin Durant's yep. or Kyrie Irving's, which is, Right or wrong, I don't know. And we. I think it's coach. only fair because if this is quote unquote Steve Nash's last shot at coaching this team this season or the first three months of the season or whatever it might be, you kind of want to let him get his guy so he can do what he thinks is best for the team and kind of put himself in that situation. So it makes sense. And I think it also helps in the sense of like Phil Handy, a big reason I think a lot of Nets fans want him, myself included, would be it kind of gives you some more reassurance with Kyrie Irving. The fact that we got that report from Brian Lewis obviously gives us a little reassurance on that front as well. And again, Phil Handy was part of another team, so he needed to be let go. Obviously, same thing with Igor. So it's always up to the guy in terms of what they want to do and where they want to go. And obviously, Phil Handy wanted to stay in L.A. No, definitely. So, and you know, life in L.A. is certainly has its advantages to life in New York. You know, I, I like both cities. I like New York probably a little bit more, but I like LA as well. And, you know, it's it's an individual decision and something that obviously Nets fans are going to be disappointed with. But at the end of the day, you know, it's not going to be the reason why the Nets win or lose a championship. I think that'll be more the, the roster construction that we'll probably talk about in future episodes and hopefully, you know, with some enthusiasm given what could be uh, around the, the Brooklyn Nets. Nick, the question that we did get via our Brooklyn Buzz Twitter community, which, again, the link, guys, we've seen a bit of growth in that, and you guys can be part of the show. 
um, in, in many different forms. So just make sure you join that net sort of community again in the link description for the episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. He says this uh, at Jersey Sports Guy with Handy returning to the to the Lakers. Who are some other candidates to fill out the bench? And why has an NJ New Jersey native Frank Vogel been brought in yet to fortify the defense? I like Frank Vogel. You've been a big advocate for him as well, Nick. Didn't actually know he was from New Jersey. So that's no. um, something new that I learned. Obviously, you're going to learn from Jersey Sports Guy. Do you, we've discussed plenty of names before. Let's, I guess, condense them in again and speak about Frank Vogel a little bit. You, you're the Frank Vogel stan. I'll let you speak. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. I would say probably heavily influenced by our friend Corey Waldron, longtime coach of the Pacers, Frank Vogel. And obviously... Had a lot of success with the Lakers, not last season, but a lot of that was roster construction. And he specializes in defense, and that's exactly what the Nets need. You know, he's a guy that can come in and help structure that defense and get them playing at a high level. I mean, the Lakers won their championship because of defense, not because they were some godly offense. And I think he's an experienced guy coming here, you know, coach one year, then probably gets another head coaching offer maybe next year. So I think it would make a lot of sense for both parties. No, I would absolutely love Frank Vogel. Does he have any ties to Steve Nash? That's the thing, because it seems to me, as I alluded to it, Igor Kokoshkov has a history with Steve Nash, a pretty long-tenured history with Steve Nash, whereas you know Frank Vogel is more to be like an Imei Udoka, which I think would be great, because Imei Udoka is one of the top two, three, four, yeah. five coaches in the NBA right now, and he's in the NBA Finals, finding huge success with his Boston Celtics. And while I think Frank Vogel isn't an amazing head coach, I do think he's an underrated head coach. And I do think that his defensive prowess is something that the Nets could sorely need. And I think that Ima Yudoka was, I think, the defensive coordinator for the Nets when he was with us. So to fill in with Frank Vogel, that would be pretty goddamn great. Um, and we'll discuss some other names. But in terms of Frank Vogel, I'd be a big advocate for that. But I, I'm not necessarily, you know, don't think it will happen just because of, what I I think it's going to be more Nash guys that are going to be filling out the collaborative sort of coaching ranks around the assistants with Steve. Yeah, uh, definitely. And obviously, you know, two other guys that have been connected to the Nets was James Borrego and Adam Caporn, uh, who coaches the Long Island Nets. And obviously interesting things. James Borrego obviously just coached the Charlotte uh, Hornets for a couple seasons. I'm not sure what his role would be because I don't believe he specializes in defense. Uh, so that would be interesting. Adam Caporn, if he was brought up, obviously would probably specialize in player development, given he just worked with the Long Island Nets and obviously probably has relationships with guys like De'Ron Sharp, Cam Thomas and Kessler Edwards. So uh, James Rego is a guy that's been linked, but I'm not sure exactly what his role would be. And again, kind of like we brought up in the past, I think you're also waiting to see what happens with some of these other coaching staffs around the league, because this is where you start to see some assistant coach movement. But also when you see the head coach movement, it typically means all right, new staff coming in, or at least a, a half a staff coming in. So it's going to be intriguing to see kind of who ends up on the market and who's available. You'd better believe, Nick, that I would I dive deep to answer this question because I treat our listener questions with a heap of respect. Looking at some athletic articles, some ESPN articles, and I think it was Alex Schiffer who reported, you know, before this or just upon the signing of Steve Nash, a list of heap of names that have been tied to the uh, assistant coaching staff and, you know, names like Rajah Bell, who I think could yep. be a name, but I'm not necessarily sure, you know, in terms of the defense, obviously he's doing some stuff with the ringer. A name that I would be enthused about, and I think a lot of other people on Nets sort of have been enthused about too, is Jaron Collins, Nick. Yeah. Jaron Collins, who is, an, is he still an assistant with, with Golden State right now? I believe he's an assistant with the Pelicans. Pelicans right now. Okay. So this was via an ESPN article because he left Golden State in, I think, 2021. And this is a, a pretty awesome quote. And I think someone actually tweeted this out, but I've found the specific article. Collins was highly respected and well-liked by the Warriors players. Warriors for a Draymond Green once described Collins's defensive game plan as expletive phenomenal. So if you're getting that amount of respect from probably the greatest defensive player of the modern era, then you're pretty goddamn good at defense. Uh, Marquez Chris also said it was super beneficial to have him in play development. Defense player development, Jaron Collins, give me that man. And also, he was in that, and let me quickly go down to it. I'm going to read this straight from the article. Collins worked with Nash and Kevin Rant in Golden State, where he was an assistant for the past seven seasons before parting ways with the organization. He was also teammates with Nash in Phoenix and Marks in Portland. He started as a player development coach in 2014 before moving to the front of the bench a year later. So give me Jaron Collins, Nick. I'm on the Jaron Collins bandwagon. It's Give me Jaron Collins or Frank Vogel. Those are my two names 
that I want to helm the defense because the Nets aren't going to be an amazing defensive team. I'd be happy with 12th in defensive rating by the end of the year. I think that would be great. But if you've got the basketball minds to be able to go, okay, let's make some adjustments. Let's have an element of flexibility. Let's throw some expletive phenomenal mm. things at them. Then I'd be pretty goddamn happy. Yeah, I mean, that would be great. Obviously, you kind of steal him away from the Pelicans. Maybe Josiah gets the checkbook out, writes him a deal. And obviously, he has ties to the franchise with his twin, Jason Collins, who played a long time with the Nets, still you know, part of the organization with some of the events they put on and stuff like that, especially during Pride Month. So that would be great, and that would be an awesome hiring. And you know, I'd probably like that maybe even more than Frank Vogel just because of you know some of the youth and the creativity and up-and-coming head coach as well. Well, potential uh, well, up-and-coming head coach. No, definitely. In terms of some other names I'll throw out there that were from this article, and names that I don't think we've totally mentioned before, so it'll be interesting to sort of hear your thoughts on them. Jay Triano, who I think is still with Charlotte, and I think with Charlotte either hiring Mike D'Antoni or Kenny Atkinson, by the time this episode's out, Michael Jordan could have made that higher. We could see him leave, and he does have history with uh, Steve Nash on the Canadian national team. He was also a head coach for the Toronto Raptors from 2008 to 2011. So there's a bit of, you know, head coaching experience, a, a bit of nous there. Dirk Davitsky, who we know Steve Nash did want, um, and we have seen him, and we've seen them doing goddamn TikToks together. So mm-hmm. maybe they're actually talking about basketball as well as, you know, cool dancing. We obviously spoke about Lloyd Pierce before. Um, and David Fisdale is the name that you brought to me, Nick, and he is obviously, I believe, being let go as part of the coaching overhaul in Los Angeles. I'll read this, um, his ties to Steve Nash here. Fizdale played against Nash at San Diego and has served as both head coach of the Grizzlies and Knicks. Um, he's obviously working with um, worked with the Lakers last season. And he's got you know similar philosophies as he's big on positionless basketball is what this article does allude to. What are your thoughts on David Fizdale? Yeah, after I sent that to you, Jack, I looked up David Fizdale and the Nets just on Google. And the last thing he said about the Nets was that it, it looked it was like a gut punch that Kenny Atkinson got fired because he couldn't get the support of or enough support in the franchise. So maybe that kind of shuts that down. But obviously, Fizdale's had some up and down success. I think his best success is probably as assistant head coach with Miami Heat, where he did some player development stuff. And then you look at his tenure with the Memphis Grizzlies, you know, had a little bit of success defensively as well. So interesting guy, obviously um, has coached superstars, has a lot of experience coaching LeBron James, Dwayne Wade. And it was given a lot of credit in the development of Chris Bosh, you know, and at one point in time, uh, our our guy Nick Claxton was compared to Chris Bosh. Obviously, those days are not don't seem very likely at this point. But still, uh, I'm intrigued by the idea of him joining the staff as well. I mean. There, there. A lot of assistant coaches are all going to bring kind of a different flavor and just a different mindset and perspective. And I think at the end of the day, you know, long as you fill in the offensive and defensive coordinator, I don't really care what they do with a lot of the other stuff. I feel like that's more of kind of opinion or a feel of what the team needs. Yeah, the more flavor, the better. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm all about flavor, Nick. You know, when it comes diversity to, to food, diversity, collaboration, all those sort of things. It'll be interesting to see. You know. I think that around that, I want guys in like sort of niche roles. Kyle Korver, you know, working with yep. guys on, on their three-point shooting and, and free throw sort of stuff. And, you know, it's specialized sort of coaches because we sort of, it was interesting. This year, it was sort of like, who's sort of doing what? We didn't really yeah. have that sort of definition. You know, we sort of knew that like Steve Clifford was sort of the big quote name, but he wasn't really with the team, obviously, for extended Yeah, period. he was technically more of a consultant. He didn't travel. Exactly. And obviously, you know, David Vanderpool is on his way out. We've heard uh, plenty of other names as well. So it'll be intriguing to see as long as everyone sort of has the, the coaches know what their roles are, then that will be allowed to go, cool, I'm going to figure out a heap of cool offensive crap for, for us to do. I'm going to figure out a heap of cool defensive stuff for us to have up our back sleeves. So then I can go, hey, Steve, let's do this. Hey, Steve, let's do this. And Steve can be like, cool, let's do that. I don't know anything. So you guys can do it for me. Um, no, obviously, Steve Nash will hopefully be better in his, his third uh, NBA season that he will be in his second, but uh, it's going to be intriguing to see. It'll have a, an impact on the net success, but I, like I alluded to, it won't be the biggest. One thing that could, though, Nick, any final thoughts before we get to something we were going to touch on in a previous episode, but now we've got a bit of extended time to touch on. 
I'll just say I like the idea of bringing in at least one like former player or teammate. Like you mentioned, Raja Bell or Dirk. Obviously, the Nets lost Amari this year. I think the idea of adding like some youth to the coaching staff is always good too. Especially guys that have recently played can kind of connect with a lot of the players in turn, and they're used to like what's out there. You know, like they've played against these guys, they know what they like to do and some of their tendencies. So obviously, Dirk's played you know more recent than Raja Bell, but still, I think that would be intriguing. You know, obviously give Nash some support because I think at times. He could use that. I think Carl Corver is a version of that already. Yeah. And I think adding, I'd love to see Dirk with, with the coaching staff. I think that I would buy like a Dirk Mavs jersey immediately if that were to be the case. And I just want to see some photos of, of Dirk Nowitzki with Kevin Durant, you know, just working working out with each other in, in training and in practices. Because I think all Don't of, get me too excited, Jack. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. And the reason why I favor him over Raja Bell, and I think I've spoken to you about this off wax and, and probably Corey as well. Uh, is the fact that on a, and I don't listen to the, that their specific podcast because of his comments when I did listen to this episode back when the uh, NBA was in the bubble and Paul George came out and was communicating about his mental health issues and sort of the fact that he was struggling. Uh, Raja Bell was pretty like uh, pretty much like you don't do that. You shouldn't yeah. be doing that. And and a person who is, I guess, as I could, as I interpreted, anti mental health and anti having that openness and communication is something that was just left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth. Obviously, if he would have come a Nets assistant, I'd probably change my mind a little bit. But I just I didn't like those comments, given you know all of the the progress that NBA athletes have been making in that department. It just was just like, all right, no, I'm not the biggest fan of it. But we could see what happens uh, in the future. But give me Dirk, Nick. Give me Dirk. Yeah, Nick. I mean, uh, Dirk, I feel like is probably less likely, just given some of his comments about spending time with his family, but. You know, maybe Steve Nash can kind of convince him. And like you said, they can make some TikToks with the family, a whole group in there. As long as they're coaching well and the Nets are playing well, I don't care what they do. Yeah, true, true, true. <laughs> what, we, what we probably hope more, Nick, is a signing of Jeremy Grant and or, no, <laughs> likely or, OG Ananobi. Nick, you uh, quote tweeted about this is via our guy. We can I like it when we can call people our guy, Jake Fisher, who's appeared on the pod. You quote tweeted the, the main sort of stuff that was from his sort of like roundup of NBA sort of rumors. And I'll I'll quote what you sort of uh, put out there. League personnel believe Toronto would require far more than Hart and the seven pick to pair, to part with Ananobi, considered to be a darling of Raptors lead executive, Masai Ujiri. Ananobi's trade value is seen as greater than Detroit's known asking price for Grant to first round picks or a first and a promising rookie scale prospect. Now, I mean, I would love to see you put out as well as part of the Brooklyn Buzz community. Again, you guys can get involved with that. Check the link description in the episode. That's pursuing Jeremy Grant. We've heard ties with Portland. We've heard ties with Brooklyn as well. If you had a preference, Nick, before we discuss both of them individually, OG or Jeremy, who are you picking? Yeah, I think it's probably OG. He's pretty, so good defensively. Yeah, he's pretty easily. Best, he's yeah. like one of the best isolation defenders. Like I've seen since watching basketball and covering basketball as a quote unquote analyst. Yeah. And I mean, he's he's improved a lot, too, as he's kind of gradually grown in the NBA. Obviously, you know, I had a couple injuries the last two seasons and, you know, his role hasn't necessarily been super solidified with the Raptors and they're kind of changing parts. But there's a ton of potential there. And honestly, it's like intriguing. The sense, too, is he's only 24 years old. You know, and he could kind of continue to develop and potentially be, he does turn 25 this summer, but to potentially be kind of like another piece moving forward as Kyrie and Katie age. Like he's that good of a player where he can probably at the very least get to a fringe all-star level or just be, you know, this elite, you know, defensive player that provides you offensive impact as well. I mean, he averaged 17 a game this season, 36% from three, 44% from the field and over five rebounds, a few assists in there too. Like, He's a very good player. Like, he would be an awesome fit. And I think he's kind of a dream trade target, in which I think we mentioned, actually, in like six episodes ago, uh, of potentially being that guy. And I think, you know, the asking price is what's tough with him. And the Nets, obviously, are very limited with assets. But if they did, I don't want to say go all in, but traded a, a chunk of assets for OG, I wouldn't consider it a bad move, given his age and what he provides and how he could fill and complement the rest of the team. Yeah, and I think Toronto and Brooklyn have been talked about as, you know, trade partners before. Detroit has that history as well. So I think both of these names are somewhat realistic. In a response to your tweet, Brooklyn Nets 85 said this, Nick. If offering, I wonder if offering two first plus Cam plus a Klaxon in trade, who they've wanted before, 
got them interested in OG. Other teams can obviously beat that if they choose to. Do you think that that is something that could entice, you know, Masai Ujiri to give up on, on OG Ananobi? Because, I mean, they've got 14 million goddamn wings. You know, Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes, all these sort of guys. Does that package intrigue you? Is it something at least? Yeah, I think it gets you in the conversation. I think the problem is, is what do the Raptors want and what are other teams willing to offer? And, you know, do they have interest in a guy like Cam Thomas? He doesn't necessarily fit their mold. Can you find another team that loves Cam Thomas and maybe send an ass, you know, an asset from them to the Raptors? And, you know, obviously you have to maybe include Joe Harris, depending on the contract stuff or depending on what Clax would sign when we do know they love Claxton giving up two first probably would be enough and maybe you could get another first from cam potentially or you know even if they didn't want joe and joe went to another team and got a first so i think the nets could get into that it just becomes a question are do you want to push kind of all all of your assets and all of your players and picks forward to make this deal and you know you you could probably argue it both ways i i, I think i would argue it the the way that leans in acquiring og Ananobi. i'm a, a big big fan of his Discussing Jeremy Grant a little bit, Nick, and in response to yours in the Brooklyn Buzz community, we had at, sure, at Shan underscore Yuga said, we'd prefer to get someone more defensive-minded than Grant. Grant is going to cost us Joe Harris plus one or two draft picks. He's only on a one-year deal, so I'd be hesitant to trade our few assets for someone who could easily leave in free agency next year. He mentioned names in in turn, including PJ Washington, Cam Johnson, also talked about OG Ananobi and Dylan Brooks, and obviously he spoke about Kessler Edwards making a leap who, you know, we'll talk about, we'll have plenty of Kessler Edwards chat in future episodes. We saw some great stats around him uh, floating around NBA Twitter. I think that's a pretty, you know, reasonable response. But I also do think that that package was offered. You know, I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to be, you know, say that I have inside information to Sean Marks, but around that trade deadline, I can, I would bet, you know, not my house, but maybe like one of my bedrooms on the fact that Joe Harris and a combination of picks was offered to acquire Jeremy Grant. But I think that the Detroit Pistons wanted a little bit more because, you know, Sean Marks has swindled the Detroit Pistons in the past. He, he obviously, he gave them a bit of cash in a couple of second rounders uh, for DeAndre Jordan, um, which, you know, ended up being out of whatever deal. But, you know, the, the acquisition of Bruce Brown has worked out very well for the Brooklyn Nets. But it doesn't mean that I don't think that they can't acquire Jeremy Grant for a package that would appease both sides. Tell me your thoughts about Jeremy Grant, Nick. Yeah, I think it's a great point about the contract stuff. And I think that's always kind of been a little bit of my concern for Jeremy Grant moving forward is be like, do you really want to max out Jeremy Grant or give him, a, you know, another 20 plus million dollar deal? I'm not really sure. Obviously, he's grown a lot as a player. And I think defensively, his on-ball stuff really isn't great. It's more of kind of the impact off-ball where he can do some things. So it's like he fits a lot of, of you know, he checks a lot of boxes, but he doesn't check them all. And obviously, there are concerns there. So like, I think Jeremy Grant's a guy that maybe you go back to and you look at it and it depends on the deal. And like you said, you know, there's a good chance that maybe they offered a package. Maybe it was just Joe Harris and a first rather than, you know, Joe Harris and two firsts or something like that, because it seems like that's what they're they're asking for. And, you know, given that Portland is very interested in him, Portland probably be willing to offer that number seven pick for Jeremy Grant if it, it came down to it. So you don't really no disrespect to Jeremy Grant, but you don't necessarily want to get into a bidding war for Jeremy Grant in the trade market and then have to get into a bidding war with Jeremy Grant and the free agent market the following offseason. So there are concerns, but if, I think you still look at the idea. I mean, he's still a good player that you could add to this team and this team is going all in. So at some point in time, you're just like, all right, I don't care as much about my assets. I care about, you know, having a winning product on the floor. And that's, you know, acquire Jeremy Grant, maybe win a championship and he leaves. Do you really care? Probably not. The window is the next, is it three years? Has Kevin Durant's deal already started, Nick, or is it four more years? Uh, I will look that up just to confirm. Yep. I, it ends in 25-26. So we've obviously got 22-23, 23-24, uh, 24-24. So four more years. So it starts next year. So you've got four years to capitalize on this. If that means you get Jeremy Grant, you give him $25 million a year, whatever it might be, an Aaron Gordon similar sort of deal, you do it. Like you got to put all your cards in. You know, as the owner, this is your ability to, to make this franchise relevant. And Jeremy Grant, OG Ananobi, you know, OG Ananobi is the dream, you know, the, the, the pipe dream. 
you know, Jeremy Grant is somewhat realistic. And, yep. you know, we heard the ties with Kevin Durant because Kevin Durant and Damian Lillard were the guys who were pretty uh, very strong in their advocacy to bring him to Team USA. So there are ties there. I think we've seen, you know, that that is obviously going to be some sort of, you know, swaying factor in, in what Jeremy Grant does decide to do. I would think that he's more likely to head to Portland to, to play alongside Damian Lillard. I think they can give him a, probably a bigger payday and a bigger role, which he probably would. You know, he said the, the reason he left, you know, Denver was to play, you know, a bigger role. And he yeah. had a pretty good opening season with them, tapered off a little bit. And now I think he's going to leave because, you know, Cade Cunningham seems to be the future there. So it'll be intriguing to see whether he decides to go back to that sort of role player sort of thing, style that he had in Denver alongside, you know, uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, or he chooses to have, you know, a number two-ish, sort of 2B-ish sort of role uh, alongside Damian Lillard uh, and, and the franchise over there. But either of those guys, Nick, if they were, to, if the Nets were to get one of the of of Jeremy Grant or OG Ananobi, I would be ecstatic. Yeah, I think Portland for Jeremy Grant makes a lot of sense because, like you said, Jack, he can still be a big component of the team. If he comes to the Nets, maybe he's the third offensive scorer, but he's still you know only the fourth best player. And I think that's an interesting thing with OG as well as like one of the reasons he wants to leave the Raptors is to kind of play a bigger role. And obviously that wouldn't necessarily always be the thing with the Nets in terms of like getting the ball in his hands and his ability to create. So, and honestly, both these guys could end up just not being in the Nets, you know, the Nets being kind of outbid or just another team having an asset. One just of these most teams. likely, but, yeah. you know, let us dream. <laughs> it's the start of June. We're allowed to have those dreams and we'll probably get James Johnson back on a vet minimum deal. Hopefully <laughs> I, don't, not. I, don't, I don't think that's going to happen either. But I just want to touch on some of the other names. I really love P.J. Washington. That strikes me as a name that seems very realistic for whatever reason. P.J. Washington's been mentioned in, you know, trade rumors for Charlotte a lot over the last season or so. They, I think, would have interest in Nick Claxton. I think he also would fit into one of the trade exceptions. Uh, Cam Johnson's an interesting name. Obviously, he didn't perform super well in the postseason. And, you know, the money's starting to get expensive for Phoenix, especially depending on what they do with DeAndre Ayton. And maybe we could come up with some trade packages on a future trade episode I already have cooking. Uh, Dylan Brooks is a guy that we we brought up, and he's an expiring contract, but his contract is a lot easier to trade for. And I also have a couple ideas that I'll bring up in the future about him. But he provides something different where he is, you know, a completely hot and cold score where he can just shoot you out of a game or shoot you in a game. He's also brings a level of energy and tenacity that I think Nets fans would probably love. And this team could probably use. And I think it would also kind of help fire up some of the other guys. I think KD loves when other guys get fired up and like talk that smack. And Dylan Brooks is a guy that will literally talk the entire game. And yeah, he definitely does some questionable stuff on the court, but every championship team needs one of those guys. You look at the Celtics, they got Dre, uh, they got Marcus Smart. You look at the Warriors, they got Draymond Green. Both those guys do some things that are borderline bad. Yeah, I'm already ready to love and hate Dylan Brooks. <laughs> I'm already ready for it. And I'm all in on it. And I think that he is, you know, a, a, a pretty decent offensive player. I think he's probably a little bit shorter than the sort of wing type. I think he's probably, you know, in the middle of a sort of Bruce Brown and Jeremy Grant. Yep. Sort of, you know, got a couple of inches on the on Bruce Brown. So I don't think that he is the, the prototype, you know, I, I, that I would totally love. You know, he's shown success on, you know, guys like Donovan Mitchell in the past. So he's a pretty good guard defender. But I think he's also, you know, the hot and column. And he's been like, you know, the leading scorer for Memphis Grizzlies in a lot of individual games that Ja Morant and Jaron Jackson have been healthy yep. in. And, you know, I, I love the personality that he would bring to the team too. You know, just a bit of an a-hole element that I think could, could give the team a, a bit of fun. But also, you know, I couldn't see myself pulling my hair out at him taking, you know, the, the final shot when Kevin Durant is open on the perimeter um, for, for three or something like that. But yeah, names will certainly be discussing in plenty of depth when we head into some off-season contents in the coming days and weeks. But Nick, an, a name that we need to discuss even more in depth, he's your boy. He's the man we love. <laughs> MJ, Mike James. Now, this reported by Nets Daily, Nick. Uh, no, you, you got to stick with me for this. You, you let me finish before you butt in and, and tell me no. I'm going to let me report it. So, this is via Nets Daily. An NBA insider told Nets Daily that James, who played for AC Monaco in the French Serie A League and EuroLeague this season, is hoping that Brooklyn can come to an agreement that will put him back in the black and white for 22-23. We did see Kevin Durant also head over to Monaco and watched him play. But we did also hear the, see the man himself respond to the rumor. He said... I don't know how to even take this rumor. Would I like to play alongside my friend Kevin? 
Yes. But I'd also like to play alongside my 10 other of my close friends. Some play in the NBA, Europe, and some don't play professional. I'm sure you were very happy about that response, Nick. Yeah, I mean, I don't love Mike James. And obviously the Nets have an array of small guards and they don't necessarily need another one. And uh, Mike James, obviously, is not a great defender either. And his offense can be a little bit crazy, kind of similar to Dylan Brooks. Obviously, very talented player and great, you know, in international basketball. But I never really thought it made a ton of sense unless the Nets trade away a lot of guards this offseason. And all of a sudden they have a hole and they need to bring in a guy off the bench. You know, I don't hate him as a, a guy in that role. But as of right now, the way the roster is constructed wouldn't make a lot of sense. I think the best thing Mike James has going for him is that Kevin Durant loves him. I remember reading reports and seeing, you know, pressers and stuff saying that they hung out, were playing video games together. And, you know, that's always a good thing when the best player in the team likes you. No, no doubt. And I think that, you know, Mike James, pretty realistic in, in, in sort of shutting yeah. down the rumors. I'm sure a lot of people were, you know, enthused about him shutting down Nets daily. Um, but I, <laughs> I I think that, like, like you alluded to, Nick, you know, the Nets don't need another guy who's under six foot two. And yeah. that's what Mike James is. When you've got Patty Mills, when you've got Seth Curry, when you've got Goran Dragic, who are currently on the roster – you're not adding another guard to that. Just give me like someone who is six, seven or more, uh, please. Um, but I do also think that, like you alluded to, if you know the roster machinations, Goran Dragic were to leave and Paddy Mills were to be somehow you know opt out of his player option and Seth Curry were to to head elsewhere, then you know as a guy just to sort of have that because man, one of the best Brooklyn Nets highlights of the past couple of years, Nick. I put on my timeline. Mike James was a big part of that um, that team sequence, which was goddamn mind-blowing and yeah. if you want to check it out at jack manuel on twitter and he was also uh, awesome in game one uh, against the bucks when james harden went down he came in and really produced in that series gave them another ball handler and you know was able to pop up uh, i think game one and game two he played pretty well the rest of the series not so much but still you know able to give at least some good postseason minutes and like you said jack and i said if if it if the team were to make a lot of moves he's not the worst thing especially considering the net situation and the amount of money they had to spend no, definitely. So I, and he obviously he's spoken very glowingly about Kyrie Irving talking about the, yeah. the three most skilled players ever. So it, it, it could happen. And Nick will obviously, um, I will force him to do an emergency podcast. I'm not sure if Nick will be uh, certainly enthused about that, but you know, if Mike James ends up as a Brooklyn Mets as an ancillary player in 12 to 15 on the roster, to appease, you know, just to have sort of there as what like your Theo Pinson sort of types. And I think he's still got a little bit of game to him, like you alluded yeah. to. You know, with the Nets were to go all in on their offense, you know, Mike James could be a part of that. But again, get someone who is a wing size, please, Sean. You know, yeah. prioritize that for God's sake. But who knows? Maybe we get MJ back. <laughs> MJ. <laughs> what him MJ twice, Nick? What him MJ twice just to see if you'd notice. Yeah. I was hoping it was a mistake. <laughs> We'll get to some, we'll finish off with some jersey talk, Nick. And I'm not just talking the NBA jerseys, but I'm talking New Jersey. That was pretty good. Get me on uh, first take on one of those programs. This is via at Casey Vitelli, who tweets out about, you know, different jerseys and uni trackers, co founder of uh, NBA Uni Tracker. And he had probably the most gorgeous Nets jersey in Nets history. This is part of uh, the. If you've seen the, the photo of, of Julius Irving wearing the white jersey with the red riding and the red trimming and the blue with the stars on it, you know what I'm talking about. Obviously, yeah. follow Casey Vitelli if you want to check it out in person. We are an audio platform. I'm trying to describe it the best way I can. But if the Nets were to get this back, and there are some strong murmurings around it, Nick, I don't know what I would do with my bank account because I have a lot of Nets paraphernalia at, uh, already. But, man, uh, this is literally my favorite. Yeah, this is inspired by the New York Nets, and this was actually worn by the New Jersey Nets, at least a very similar style. I actually remember getting one when I went to a game as a kid at Continental Airlines Arena. It was a giveaway, and you got a Jason Kidd version of this. Sadly, I outgrew that, but it was an awesome jersey. <laughs> it is it is truly gorgeous. I love the colors. I love the blue, white, and red. love the stars on it as well. Uh, <laughs> both of us are uh, very big you know, uh, we buy a lot of net stuff. Let's just put it that way, plainly and simply. And whether it's T-shirts, jerseys, shorts, whatever it is, you know, I'm going to be buying a KD one of this in a goddamn heartbeat yeah. if they were to release it. So the Nets jersey stuff, you know, people were lukewarm on 
the, the what we saw this year, and I think I was I, I was optimistic about it. But then the Nets lost pretty much goddamn every game when they wore those those blue ones. Uh, but I've still got a, I think I got a Kevin Durant or a Kyrie Irving T-shirt, a, a jersey in it. But if the Nets were to bring this one in, uh, yeah, take all my money, please. Yeah, the jerseys from last year are definitely cursed because I received a James Harden one for oh, Christmas no, from somebody. So that instantly went to waste. Um, but this one would be awesome, obviously. And you, I love when they kind of like do the shout out to, you know, like the former teams and the former styles. Like I love the historical jerseys, at least having one of them in the mix. Absolutely. All about it, Nick. Any final thoughts before we wrap this one up? Good to get a bit of an extended one in on some of the in-between off days. Yeah, 100%. Always enjoy talking Nets. Really excited to do our off-season stuff we got coming up. We'll be doing trade stuff, free agent stuff. And next thing you know, it'll be July 1st and there'll be actual signings. So always a pleasure, Jack. And big thanks, everybody, for listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.